0: Hi, I'm Kevin Aldridge, and I like making music.
1: Do you like to sit around for a while? Found yourself a little pet crocodile. Do you like to just live in the moment? Do you like the stars and moon in the comments? What do you like, do you like? What do you like, do you like? What do you like, do you like? What do you like, do you like?
2: Welcome to What Do You Like? The podcast where you get to know a person through their passions and hobbies. Today, we have a very special guest on the podcast. Um, if you know anything, and I know my listener base, and if you know anything about the wrestling podcast music, you know this person. Um, but you might know him as the lead singer of Kevin Aldridge and The Appraisers. Uh, you also find him with a new project that just dropped right before the pandemic called Tooster. Uh, he is a music maven, uh, someone who can just he can just find the the perfect tune for anything. Um, I want to welcome to the podcast the very wonderful Kevin Aldridge. Welcome to the podcast, Kevin.
0: Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
2: Now, generally, uh, up to this point, most of my guests have been people I just know in life. Um, And I've been able to kind of like loop them in and be like, hey, I have this this podcast. Uh, Do you want to jump on? And they're like, I guess they're doing it as a favor. You we've never actually met. This is our first real conversation. Uh, We've we've messaged a little bit online, Um, but I think it's really great because this is you're someone who I definitely know their work. And it's uh, fun to kind of have this conversation kind of truly fresh. Um, and I think the topic we're talking about today, I think is even more perfect because of your background and because all the things that you've written. Um, we're talking about making music and something yeah. that obviously you're very passionate about. Um, so kind of get it started. Where did making music kind of enter your life?
0: Well, I grew up, I mean, everybody says they grew up around music and well, most people uh, that are, you know, that aren't too sheltered, but. Uh, I grew up around music. My mom would clean the house to a stack of records. It was always part of my life. But uh, I was when I was in school, I didn't really have a lot of interests. So I played sports a little bit, and I, you know, I liked it, but it wasn't, you know, I, I, I just didn't have, you know, you know, kind of a lonely, depressed teenager. And I started getting into. Uh, I started getting into music, like, really heavy, probably, I don't know, 14, 15, and I was just, like, really obsessed with hip-hop, and that was, like, the thing that I really loved, but I I would never be able to do that, you know, it's just not, you know, something I do, uh, because I don't have that experience, so, and then I discovered bands like R.E.M. and The Cult and, you know, Guns N' Roses, and I, I mean, Guns is because they were kind of cool, nasty boys, but... Uh, but i found music that kind of got me and then uh, i was like i always wrote things so i thought i could be a writer but writing has too many rules so like oh music there's no rules so i'm gonna do that and that's sort of how my path started i had people said that i could sing i didn't know and then i started playing in bands or Started going out with bands, hanging out with bands, traveling with bands. And then I started actually playing like, like a little bit after that. So it's a different, it's a different uh, path. A lot of people like I was in bands, you know, garage bands in high school. And I would, they kind of went from there. I was like a young boy, you know, I, I was like <laughs> in the New Japan dojo learning the business side of it or learning how to work, you know, quite literally. And then I when I came out of that system of like working for a band that had record deals and stuff like that. Then I, that's when I started like really playing music and I was young when that happened. So it was, it was interesting, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'd recommend it, but it worked okay for me. How old were you when you started to like travel with these bands? I was, I was 19, 18 or 19, like right on that cusp of eight or 18 or 19. I had a chance to like, I could either go into college or I could like go out with my friend's band. Like, I'm going out with my friend's band? You know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be their road manager. I don't know what that meant, but I thought it would be cool. So yeah, my first trip out of town was like it was Joplin, Missouri. Oh, <laughs> it was like some big, it was some uh, like big local bookstore slash music venue. It was So weird. So
2: yeah, so I, I, wh- that's my, that was my start. What did your parents think about that? Because I mean. That has to be a, a tough conversation and be like, hey, I, I could go into the higher education realm, but I'm just gonna travel with my friends. Uh, you know, surprisingly, they didn't care. My dad
0: uh, w- wasn't in the picture really. I mean he was kind of a he would be around when he felt like it. Uh, they'd, they'd been divorced forever, but my mom just kind of let me do what I wanted and and I, th- I think she just kind of she had no control. she's like, I don't have control over this guy. And uh, my brother is a little bit younger than me. And then my sisters are f- like 15 years younger than me. So, I mean, I'm almost like an uncle to them. And she had three-year-old twins to raise. So it's kind of like, well, <laughs> one, less, one less mouth around to worry about. But not, not, I mean, she's not like that. She's a really sweet old church lady. But uh, yeah, I just think she kind of balanced the thing of, well, I've got these babies and then I've got like a kid I could never, ever control no matter how much I ever tried. So I was like, ah, he'll figure it out. So that's what I that's what I did.
2: So were you really the the rebu- the re- rebellious and rambunctious little little kid growing up, or did it happen like later on to like high school?
0: I was I was just like in trouble, you know, like nothing. I didn't get fights or anything like that. I wasn't like that kind of kid. But I was always just into shit. That I shouldn't like just you know like I just didn't do the right things like ever. So <laughs> I was just always in trouble. I was a little high strung then I was depressed and then I just, yeah, kind of just didn't, I just made a lot of mistakes and still, you know, not much, not much has changed really, but I have a better perspective on it. So yeah, I I just, I don't know. I think a lot of, I think a lot of teenagers probably have that. What, what am I, where am I going? What's going on? you know, I, I, I feel for kids like that because I was definitely there
2: yeah yeah I mean at high school at teenage years are definitely the, the hardest because you're trying to figure out exactly who you are because they're you you're what you're is coming in as all this like media portrayal of what the normal high school like rate like life should be and I was very lucky in my high school life I was friends with the 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 weird kids yeah um which we were weird in just the right way where we were friends with kind of everyone. But we just did weird stuff. Like we, there was like spirit <laughs> days, like the school had spirit days where you like dress up like Hawaiian shirt day, or wherever. We would just create our own and just do whatever this, and not tell anyone. Like we did Dragon Ball Z day, uh, where I dressed up right. as Krillin. Or no, I was I was Master Roshi. My friend was Krillin. And um, we did birthday day where we walked around with balloons that said uh, "Happy Birthday" and we printed every one of us. It was our birthday. <laughs> but it was um, nobody's birthday. Nobody's nobody's <laughs> birthday, and it took a while for people to to figure out. Um, but I definitely think, like, through those experiences, it kind of pushed me towards a direction. I think that's what kind of high school did is pushed you more towards that musical direction. Um, so you mentioned you went out and uh, followed your friends but you weren't really writing music or anything like this point. When did you start, like, actually creating your own music? I was
0: probably, I was out with one of the, it was early, well, I don't know if I was writing music, but I was trying, I didn't I didn't play any instruments, so that's another thing. I had some friends that were in bands, uh, in like, when I was in high school, that were my age. These guys were, the guys I went out with were older, they are like, friends of friends. Uh, or, what, actually, one of them was a friend of mine, kind of, but we became buddies, like, much more. Much later. That's a whole other thing. But um, I had friends that were in bands when I would come off the road. We'd kind of get together. And, you know, like my buddy, we'd go to a party. My buddy would be playing. You know, there's always some ding dong with a guitar there. It's usually the dude you want to avoid, to be honest. But (laughs) and I learned that later. But yeah, we would play like. Uh, you know, we, we I would sing songs that he, you know, he's like, oh, hey, do you know this? And I'd sing the song and we'd just, you know, everybody's hanging out. And then later on, he said, hey, you want to, like, play in a band with me? I think his story, he called me. This is so corny. He called me, he goes, hey, Kevin, do you want to make a million dollars? I'm like, what? <laughs> it's a, let's I want to start a band with you. I'm like, okay, I can't promise that million dollars part, but I can, uh, I mean, I'd like to play music. That'd be fun, so. But that was just sort of his. That's that was sort of his like way into everything. But uh, so yeah, I started writing music with him. He had songs that I some of them I liked and some of them I couldn't stand. Like I, I don't well, I just didn't get it. You know, like I just it didn't really touch me. And I didn't play any instruments. I kind of picked at guitar. I didn't really know much. And uh, I I was talking. To, I talked to all these people that I'd gone out on the road with, and I kind of learned some little things from them like guitar stuff wise and they said hey you know what if you want to learn how to play an instrument learn guitar it's the easiest thing and you can kind of fast track it so i'm really the only reason i even play an instrument is because i wanted to write my own songs i didn't want to play that guy's songs anymore and that's really what happened that was like just i don't know ego i guess but i'm like i want to write my own songs i don't know if it was ego totally but like i wanted to be able to express myself singing my stuff instead of like singing somebody else's songs. So that's where that, that's where it kind of started. I was probably, 21, maybe. Yeah. Something like that.
2: Right, man. Okay. And right. at, at, at that point, I think you probably have a lot to, to say, like you, you're now an adult by all standards in society. You're an adult, but I think you, you probably, uh, there's still a lot you need to get off your chest, I'm sure, and I think it's one thing to kind of sing along to songs on the radio um, or whatever your friends writing, but you're really not expressing yourself. And I think that that's the the sign of a true artist is where they need to get something off their chest. They need to express that. Um, so I mean, it, that, that, that makes sense that you would you'd want to kind of express that. So what was like what was like writing your first song? It
0: was I, you know I don't remember the first thing I wrote, but I remember like a kind of a group of things together and it was just I was, like I was right something kind of like which sort of full circle because I was writing some kind of fun funny songs like I tried to sort of hide my like my real feelings about things I didn't I wasn't really an open book at that point. It's so like I'll write some songs with some little bit of joke in it and just sort of as a as a blanket, you know, a way to kind of hide anything that I wasn't ready to expose. So I'd write like little songs, you know, I would write songs about um I wrote a song about I don't know if you remember the show Get Smart from like the 60s. Do you remember yeah. that show? Oh, okay, yeah. I wrote a song about Agent 99 on that show. Cuz I thought she was pretty, <laughs> Barbara Feldon. <laughs> so, and it was just like it was it's totally silly, but and I don't, I don't, I couldn't play it again today if I tried, but I, and I wrote some songs about like just kind of being a depressed kid and I, I, that kind of got me out. I had a, it started to start to flow, you know, to flow a little bit. And the other thing is I learned how to play guitar on a 12 string guitar. So I, I took everything, like I, every wrong way to do something I did learning on a play, learning how to play on a 12 string is pretty strange I picked a lot. I did a lot of picking. My flat picking is actually pretty decent, and uh, and I was I was never told that you cannot. You're not, well, you're not supposed to be able to like sing and play guitar immediately. Like you, to sing and play guitar at the same time is supposed to be kind of not difficult, but like it's a learning curve. Apparently, I've never had that learning curve, and I didn't find out till years later. Like, yeah, how do you sing and play guitar at the same time? Like. I just play guitar and sing like, well, isn't that hard? No, that's yeah, that's not easy. Uh, it's not hard for me. And I don't know, if but pro- it's probably not for everybody, but I've heard it enough times where like, no, I never had that problem where I could just play guitar and sit. You know, it never really was an issue for me. So I was lucky that way. I was just so ignorant and I would just kind of jumped. Once I decided I was going to be in a band or like make music, I just jumped in and that's all I cared about that was it
2: I think I think that that's that's a good lesson it's, and we've brought up another other podcast like if you feel like you want to try something, it doesn't hurt to take the risk um, because the the worst risk is regretting it later on not trying it. because um, mm-hmm. you even if you fail like you're gonna learn something from it and unless the risk is like something so drastic that you're gonna end up destitute in the middle of the desert, Maybe, maybe not do that. But like most risks that people are afraid to take are not those risks. They're just something that's like slightly out of their comfort zone. And I think you what really says a lot that you kind of started with those like the funny songs. Um, I think it's a good message to people like it's okay to kind of step your toe in and kind of like try things out um, because at the end you're you've, you were able to gain that comfort to really kind of express yourself. Um, but I think that also says a lot about comedy. I think a lot of times jokes and things like that are are a good way to kind of uh, make people comfortable um yeah, I think and they're that,
0: rooted in something that's other than just getting a laugh a lot of times yeah, ab-
2: absolutely, absolutely. um I think uh I, I recently listened to a podcast or something. There's so much media that goes into my brain it's hard to <laughs> figure out where it came from. But they mentioned Understood. um they mentioned Steve Martin and how like how funny he was, but in reality he was it was a like a satire on the idea of comedy. Like he was so oh, yeah. si- so silly and out there that it was like kind of like yeah, I'm just going to take comedy to the next level to kind of like shine a light on what everyone else is doing in comedy. And I never thought about that because I just thought, it. oh, it's fun and silly. Um, but that's kind of like the the magic of art. I mean, you can kind of look at it from different ways. So to go back to where you're writing music, when was the first time you performed a song that you actually wrote? I played at a coffee
0: shop uh Wow, that's like just perfect, isn't it? Uh, called Cool Beans, I think it's I think it was called Cool Beans in Denton, Texas, and uh, with my with like a th- like a bass player and a guitar player, and we didn't have a drummer. And it happened it happened that the guy that ended up playing drums for us was at that show, so he played with us. And then uh, that band, when that band broke up, I started another one that got you know was doing good, doing like it was a pretty popular band in, you know, my neighborhood or my, my city. Uh, and then I moved to, I, I moved to San Francisco for a year, didn't really do anything but write music. And then I came back and then had enough, you know, just, you know, you just do, you're just trying to, I don't know, you know, I'm not like trying to build a career or anything like that. It wasn't, I never really had those sort of ideas. I just wanted, whenever I wanted to do, whenever I decided to do a new project, I wanted to do something that was a, not necessarily a step up, because I, I don't know if that is the right way to say it, but just a little bit different or a lot different. You know, it's good to be able to take what you know, but always want to learn. If you don't want to learn, you're going to be doing the same shit all, forever. And there, I have no interest in that. I have no interest in like perfect, you know, quote unquote, perfecting something and then just running that into the ground I like, I like to learn new things about music that's why i like making music there's so many things you can learn there's so many things above my pay grade that i could never ever do but i'm i will try them so that's that's kind of uh that's all kind of off track but what we're talking yeah. about but yeah the first song yeah the first thing time i ever played was at a coffee shop and i really fell in love with like playing live that that day. And I wasn't nervous. I never had nerves back then. Um, I think I was just so happy to feel like I was contributing to my own happiness for once, you know, that I was excited anytime I got to play.
2: So uh, what was the, what was the audience like? Was it mostly your friends? Was it strangers? And how do they kind of react to your first performance? Uh,
0: it was friends, a lot of friends. And then, um, Like it was a coffee shop, so it was like patrons. But it was sort it was a college town, so there were people that did hang out. And so, from what I remember, the response was good, but not like, not like huge, huge thing like that. But it was good. I think some of my friends were just happy that I was finally doing it. Uh huh. Because I did over prepared for (laughs) you know that day, and I think that was kind of a relief.
2: Well, I, th- I think this is a lot about uh, you and the the friendships you had, um, where they were excited for you to kind of take that leap, and uh, like you said, relieved when you actually did and and were successful. Um, I think that's the, that's the, a big thing that a lot of people might not have is that that uh, support system around you that kind of really pushes you to 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 try new things and to and when they see. Uh, it's, it's been mentioned on the podcast. Definitely listen to your friends when they say you should go for something, you should try something. Um, cause they might have a perspective that you don't have. Cause I, it's very easy to get in your own head and like you said, over prepare and, um, uh, but when other people say, Hey, no, you're ready. Go ahead. Try. It's like the, the mama bird pushing the, the baby yeah. out of the nest. You're like, go, c- get out of here. Go, go yeah. do something. Go be, go be who you can be. Um, so I think that and a coffee shop is like the perfect place to start because there's no pressure. No, it was, it was not
0: like really none clinking, yeah. you know, cups and saucers and people they're reading, you know, poetry or whatever in the corner, enjoying their tea, you know, and it's, uh, and we weren't playing like loud rock and roll at that point. I was uh-huh. playing acoustic guitar. And so we, it was very chill and then things kind of ramp, you know, ramped up from there. But uh, it was a perfect kind of start, and and it wasn't to two people. That was another thing, because you could, I know, plenty of folks who's like, oh yeah, there are two people. Nobody showed up. No, none uh. of my friends showed up. You know, and that can be deflating, but, but especially in the beginning. Now, if I went out and played now, played a show, uh, you know, pandemic removed or whatever, and nobody was there. Uh, and none of that doesn't even matter to me. I'm not, I'm not doing it for other people. So, but back then I think
2: you kind of need that support group. Yeah, I, I can, I could definitely see that. Um, so when you, so you, you do this performance and then you, um, later on you start to form a band. What was that like right now? You're solo, you have complete control. What was it like to kind of let other people in to kind of form a band and how did that affect well, your, your your writing of uh, making music? Uh, well, no, it I, actually,
0: I was brought in to the fold. So that was the, the guy that wanted me to make a million dollars with him. Uh, oh, okay. I ended up joining his already kind of established group, but still um, it's, it, it is a, a process. I was just trying to learn you know, that I, I, I took, I took, a, I took a lot of pride in the fact that I listened to people. And uh, even when I started to run my own bands later, I'm I'm a pretty democratic, uh, you know, leader I suppose because I, even though I write most of the songs that get played, I want everyone's input. It's like if I wanted, to, if I wanted to, you to play this certain thing a certain way, well, you know, I'd want to just do it myself and be a studio guy. You know, there's I, there's a magic in letting people do what they do. You're like, here's the song. You pick out, you know, you you learn your part. As long as everybody's working together, it's the best feeling. So, uh, yeah, I, I ended up joining, you know, a band. I haven't, I haven't really called the shots fully, like all on my own ever, even though my name's in front of the, you know, my band name <laughs> right now. I We, we kind of run this thing together. It's, uh, it's an interesting... Dynamic, but I, cause I know plenty of guys that, uh, they, they write everything and they dictate, you know, you play this, the spot, you play drums like this. Like, ah, no, okay, I'm not doing that. There's no way. Not interested.
2: Uh, what's it like trying to find those collaborators though? Because I mean, like it, you it, said, you, your band does have your name in front of it, but to find those people that are like, yeah, no, I to find people you can trust. To right. to kind of develop the music that your name is attached to.
0: Well, I I play with uh, my bass player is Chris and his, Chris Edmiston and he he and I have known each other since the nineties, playing music together. So like he's he's sort of my go to guy for. He understands how I play music and I understand how he plays music and it's not like a normal thing. He's a lot more technical than I am. Um, he's sort of like, I always call him like the beekeeper. Like, I'm all the, my, all my ideas are the bees, and he's just trying to rain them, he's trying to get them all in one net at one time and get me to calm down. But, uh, finding band members can be hard. I, I mean, I had one band where we went through like 15 drummers because we just couldn't keep them. And, and that's a lot of times is because drummers are looking for better gigs and there's not a lot of drummers around, or there weren't back then. There, there are more now, but not, uh, and I have, I've actually been really lucky. I've, once you play in the scene for a while, you have a little name equity and people that like you kind of want to come play with you or you see somebody like, man, I'd like to play with that guy one day. Like my guitar player now, he's we've been playing with him for like five years. I've been wanting to play with that guy forever. Like a really, really long time. And it just finally happened uh, in the last you know half decade. Oh, maybe a little longer actually, but it's something like that. Uh, and then... And sometimes you get lucky, you know. Uh, we have a keyboard player who's amazing, and he's just a guy who kind of flies under the radar. I got I got real lucky, and uh, but you you can run into situations where you have people that you're playing with that just kind of don't get it, and that's that's a difficult conversation, you know. Um, but I've been lucky uh, the, to to not have too much of that going on, and, and I think when you run a band. And you do let everybody have a say, and they believe it, you know, that's another thing they, they they need to know. You know, not only will they have a say, but they believe that we're all kind of going for the same thing. Uh, that makes it a lot easier for people to relax. Because I mean, collaboration is the best. And you just kind of want to find your place in the world anyway. Playing in a band is it's a unique, you know, group effort. So you might as well be happy doing that i mean you don't I, why i didn't play music to like make money i played music to be happy and being happy is really hard to do right now
2: in a comic that feels like it has been ripped from the news Kanisha tells the story of a young girl who loses her brother to police violence when the justice system fails she must make a choice to fight through nonviolence, or to take justice into her own hands you can find Kanisha and many other great comic titles at gorilla publishing groupcom that's gorilla like the radio publishing group.com yeah I, I think that that's very important to, and I think it's important with any art is no I don't think any art should be done solely to make money because at that point you're not going to you're not gonna be able to to do it really I mean it's it's going to become so so much of a chore that you're gonna be so unhappy doing it um it's like it makes sense paycheck yes exactly and and (laughs) and as soon as that paycheck runs out like are you no longer an artist like what does that what does that say about yourself I think it says a lot about you that it's like I mean if I if I make money doing this great but I just need to get this music out and it also shows uh the, the purity of the art that you're willing to let any, like all these other people like, Hey, how can we make this better? Um, it's, it, you're not kind of precious with your, your artwork, um, uh, which some, yeah. pe- some people are. And I think that, that, that shows in, in your joy in making it like the, the process should be probably more enjoyable than the finished product. Because if it's not, then you're going to, be it's gonna be like a, a chore to kind of finish it and then you're done you're like oh good and then like oh, okay it's done now i have to go on something else i think it from the way it sounds like you enjoy that process of of making the the music um almost more so than the actual song it, correct me if i'm wrong
0: uh, yeah i would say i would say it is as important to go through the process of Creating something like that with a group, or even if it's just something that I'll, you know, pick on my guitar by myself, uh, just doing it is part of the joy of it. Like, um, if I want to bring a song to a band and I've got like an idea, or if I've maybe if it's maybe it's I've got like the basic structure or whatever, and they bring it to the group, and I'm telling you, every time this happens, if we're in the space and I show them something new and we start to play it together, the first time I hear the kick drum. It's like, I just, I'm like overcome with joy. Like the first time that kick drum hits me, it's the best. It's like, oh, we're doing this together. I can't explain it. It is euphoric. It's unbelievable. Even if we're messing up, it's great. There's
2: something pure about it.
0: I'll I think, not explain
2: it. <laughs> I, and then that, there might not be a way to explain it. I mean, I think, I mean, that says a lot in that that's like just ingrained in you. Like, this is this is what brings me joy, um, and for everyone that's going to be different. Um, yeah, but I I think it's great that you, you you're able to find that. That's um, so oh, so, the coolest thing. Yeah. So when you once you have have finished a song, I mean you you have you've had you've done a few albums. What's it like to kind of to to create? like a, a, a full grouping of songs. Like how, what's that process like? And how do you know, Oh, this is, this is perfect.
0: One it's never perfect. <laughs> you did never, you, I never feel that, which is good because if I felt that, then I'd probably need to sell everything the next day. But, uh, I like, we do records differently every time. And that's part of another thing I try to, to, uh, I try to do that every time as well because I don't want to do the same thing. As I mentioned earlier, I don't want to be the same way. Now I use some. I use some of the same personnel, but I work with guys that that want to try to be innovative, you know that or or try new things. Like we 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 did this one group of songs where each song had two different drum kits on it. Like the chorus would have one kit and the Versus would have another kit. And you wouldn't know, but you would know. You know something's different, but you don't know what it is. And it's not like a studio trick. It wasn't a plug-in. It wasn't mic placement. It was a completely different instrument. We would do things like that. Um, we have access to a really great space to record, a studio called Electric Berryland. Um, and it's uh, it's got everything you need, and you have time to do it, which is great. So, uh, to to finish like a group of songs, to to do like my my solo record, um, I didn't even play guitar on it. I just wanted to sing. I wrote all the songs. I sent them to the guys. They learned parts. We cut everything live on the floor together, and then we did a couple overdubs on things. And it was the best experience. We did it essentially in like four days. About about four days. Yeah. And it's a great group of dudes who have made some like records you definitely know, you know you've definitely heard so uh and they were all my friends, so it's like they're pros, they're my buddies, they get me you and, and it was just unbelievable so and that that was a whole other experience and then when like Chris and I do the Tooster thing, it was just I had a bunch of songs. I sent him probably nine songs. And I'm when I'm, I'm saying songs, I'm really being generous to myself. Bits. I had song bits. Like, here's 30 seconds and on my phone. That kind of stuff. Where I'd hum something or I'd play guitar and I'd send it to him. And then he would make a little demo with some fake drums and other instrumentation. And go, what do you think of this? Like, Oh, I like this. Cut that part out. Make this twice as long. And, you know, maybe fade or whatever. And then he'd go back and fix it, send it back. I'd cut a vocal on, you know, I cut a crappy scratch vocal, send it back to him. He would polish it up, send it back. And then we'd decide, okay, that's the one. I'd cut a real vocal that he'd mix it. So that's what Tooster turned out to be. And, and that was sort of born of all the podcast music that we had kind of worked on together. It helped us sort of refine what, the Toaster sound is, I guess, in in some ways, in some ways, but we had already had a we already had sort of an assembly line that we knew how to do that, and 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 he's uh, very giving of his time, and and we would just yeah we we would work on we would work in separate studios like my my home studio his home studio, and pass notes back and forth, and that's kind of how that came together. So, you know, again, it's like a completely different, you know, the in the box, you're cutting and pasting. Whereas, you know, the other record is like all live, just just finding the right vibe. Um, and then the other studio where it's sort of both. So yeah, that it's uh to get a collection, the feeling is different every time, but you really are never satisfied, I don't think.
2: I think it's as let though that they're they're all such different experiences because I think that's like you said earlier, that's really where you learn. Like that's where you're, you're, you're getting all these new tools and like your career started not really as a musician, but as someone in the music industry, like yeah. just following musicians and, and picking up little things. I think it says a lot about you. Like there's always something new that you can kind of grab and kind of throw into your, your repertoire, uh, which brings to you, you mentioned there, um, your your podcast music career, um, as I mentioned, you've you've definitely done a lot of like little jingles and stuff for podcasts. How did that kind of start, and how what was it? What was the first podcast you <laughs> developed a music for? Okay,
0: uh, this might take a while. So, what really got me? I'm trying to think of how I really got into the whole. Podcast wrestling world, it had to be. I mean, obviously, it's Colt Cabana, right? That's he's the guy, he's the guy. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, I mean, of course. But what happened, how I kind of got to know, I guess, a couple people in that is back, I-, I can't remember what year it was, but John and John Pollock and Wei Ting. We're still at uh, the uh, Fight Network, and they had and Court Bauer used to go on there, and they did the John and John and Court had a show together, and Court and Way at at one of the WrestleManias, I think it might have been San Jose. They did a thing called Grapple Kingdom where they just like had a little grappling to see who who could uh, pin the other. And I, if I remember correctly, Samoa Joe refereed it. It was sort of impromptu. <laughs> and I was, I don't know what I was doing. I, I was up one night and I was i may have, I'm probably drinking something. I ended up buying grapple, grapple com as a domain. And I emailed John and way, I think in court, maybe to say, hey, I bought this domain. If you want me to point it to your, to the website, let me know. And then I kind of struck up a friendship with with Court over it, and I, you know I listened to all the MLW shows, and uh, that's when and then the Cabana thing and Mar I was listening to Marty Derosa's uh, wrestling with depression, And then he and Sarah started Marty and Sarah Love Wrestling, and they were doing wrestling confession. Uh, and it was early, early on. If I remember correctly, it was like October when I sent that song. I'm like, hey, I wrote this stupid song. If you guys want to use it, you can use it. And that was it. So, and they loved it surprisingly. And they, you know, like, yeah, well, can we use it? Like, yeah, absolutely. And from then on, I, from time to time, I, you know, like they would say. They'd start a new bit, you know. They'd start a new like a little segment where it'd be the old school wrestling corner, like oh yeah, if we had a song that could kind of go like this or whatever, and they they did it on the air, not thinking anybody was going to write one. So I ended up writing two different versions of it and said, okay, here you go, and that yeah, just sort of goes from there. And then uh, what else did I did I, I, or did, what else did I do? Um, the Jabroni U Network guys that the Draft Pod. I wrote a song for them. Uh, I, I've i got another one I'm working on for them as well. And then uh, Wes Allen and his family have a podcast called Why Did We Ever Meet? It's also on the Jabroni U Network. And they use one of my songs as the intro. And then a couple things that I wrote that their son Cash sings one of them. Which is it's way better that he does it too. It's great. And then, then you know... Uh, I did one for. I'm uh, uh, doing one for uh, Biff Radio, which is also on that network. I'm kind of working on that right now. Uh, I did one for Matt Nix, and then uh, Scrump and Stank. I, guess, I don't know if I did. I get I did the PWT cast before Nix because I got a message from Matt right after about hey. Yeah. <laughs> what it cost me to write you get get, get you a song like oh man you know you guys are i don't know you but i know you kind of thing it's family uh
2: so (laughs) so it all started from just like casually listening to a podcast and just being like yeah they i could write a song for that um and it kind of turned into this empire the (laughs) the the kevin aldridge podcast (laughs) music empire um what is it, Was it like to kind of write this? Does, does this kind of like take you back to like when you were first starting to write music where it's more, it's more jokey, less, less about you. Like, is that, is that kind of the, the feeling you get when you write these songs? It, it, yes, absolutely. It, it's
0: easier in that there are number one, there, well, there are no rules in music anyway. Anybody that follows rules of music, you need to just chill out. But, uh, it is easier because the connection on it is only what you, you make of it like, I mean, I, I'm proud of all of them, but I don't take any of it. serious. I don't take any of my music seriously until I need to. So, uh, and when that's just moment to moment, but like some of that's like with, uh, I was trying to think of a perfect example. Like, Oh, well, wrestling confession is perfect example. Actually. I was just kind of messing around on my acoustic guitar. I think I might've even recorded this on my phone originally, but, uh, yeah, you're just kind of picking around. You're not trying to come up with parts that other people need to play. You know, complementary things to, and uh, you pull words from their lexicon, you know, and throw it all together and send it off and see if it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. I've been pretty lucky. The only time, the only thing that hasn't been used is we sent one over for. Uh, post-wrestling to do it was like the AEW uh, wrap-up show song but that's we were we were kind of out of our element on that in that we're older dudes and the stuff they pick is like typical well not that they didn't pick their fans listen to a lot of stuff that I don't really get so and that's cool that's I mean honestly it's fine Um, but it's like ah you know I mean, you know, wrestling entrance music isn't exactly the best
2: stuff, so. Uh, that, <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not right now, that, that, is, that is a true statement. It's pretty bad, so, uh, but
0: yeah, it, you're, you're right on in that the connection on it is a little different, but it's also just fun, you know, it's just fun to do that. How long does it usually take you to write one of those? Not long. <laughs> Surprisingly not long. Uh, the words. I think the words are probably the the one the one thing that I mess around with the most. Like ah, I got to get that right. Like so with Marty and Sarah, it's hard. I re- the only thing I agonize are over are the words because they're so funny and like I don't want to look like a dumbass. I want to. I'm trying to impress them a little bit. <laughs> I guess <laughs> like they're so funny. I don't want to try to be funny when I'm not funny. Like the, I mean, the, you know, I'm like funny with my friends. I'm not funny, like a pro like they are. Yeah. So, you know, it's, there's a big difference.
2: I just want to say every one of your songs on the podcasts that I've heard always hit. You don't have to worry about how funny you are. They're all perfect. They are literally the, the perfect little jingle for, for what they're for. And I think it's crazy that, uh, they're so quick for kind of you to kind of develop. Um, But I think this is like the, the perfect thing to kind of move into. So you have this relatively successful music career also doing these little jingles on the side. Where do you kind of see your, your future in the, in, in creating music?
0: You know, I don't think about a lot of that stuff in that, which is probably why I'm not like a big success. Um, But I, I'll tell you the pandemic really has done a number on me mentally in that I was, I was starting to go through like a lot of social anxiety anyway, playing live and just sort of being uncomfortable. And I think it's because I didn't drink as much some of that's probably a whole different thing, but well, I know it's tied together somehow, but you know, it's a control thing. Um, When you're, when you're, I don't like going to big concerts because I don't like a lot of people around. But yet I can play shows and it's okay because I'm there's a barrier, you know? Uh, there's a barrier when you're playing because you're on stage. And also there's like literally an instrument between you or microphones and monitors and things like that. So uh, I don't know how often I'm going to be playing live anymore even though I do like that kind of thing. Um, I'm considering going and doing some like band recordings in our studio space. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, but I really like doing the the song bit stuff and like recording in a studio. It's a lot of fun. It's a different set of muscles you, you work. You're doing... Arrangements are different. You know, you're, you're considering... A lot of times when you're playing in... You're a live band, so you a live band. You're considering that... How that feels while you play live. If you take that out of the equation, you're writing completely different songs in some cases. So that's been an interesting thing for me. Like, oh, the the crafting is a little different. So what I find is a lot of my songs now in the studio are like I'm just write, writing are shorter. It's like Don't Boris Get to the Chorus kind of thing. And... So there's a lot. It's more concise, but I really like doing these podcasts. Things are fun. They're, they actually help me write better songs for other things because it's a it's a different type of focus. And you know i've I've talked to I've talked to Marty about this before. With uh, hey, what's the perfect length you think for a podcast little jingle song? And he's like, I think thirty seconds. And I've pretty much stayed to that. That's what I've been kind of sending everybody. Thirty seconds, and he sort of confirmed that, like, laid down the line, like, yeah, thirty seconds, I think is the the good number. It's also probably the good number for people to hit the skip button too. <laughs> they get tired of hearing it, so I think that's probably happening. But uh, yeah, for the future, I just I just want to write better songs or write more songs. I don't say better. I don't believe in better, best, or awards and things like that. It doesn't really do anything for me. But just to like continue to write songs that. Uh, not necessarily challenge me, but like get get me into a different like mental space of feeling differently than I did about something else. So I don't know. Just it, it's it's a it's a type of fuel I cannot explain for the body. It just it does it propels you, keeps you moving forward. If it doesn't, then you probably need to think
2: about doing something else. I think that's the the perfect thing to kind of leave off on because I think that's what a passion should do. Um, if it's something you're truly passionate about, it should absolutely propel you. It should it should drive you in some way, and it should reflect who you are. And I think the the music that you've created absolutely reflects who you are, both in your uh, your full band, a um, little little more serious, and then also your podcast jingles. Because I think that together kind of forms a complete picture of who you are and, yeah. wh- and, and what you kind of stand for. Um, and I don't think anyone is putting that skip button on any of your jingles on podcasts <laughs> so you don't have to worry about that at all um, so with that I just want to thank you for for, for jumping on here uh, being a guest on this podcast it is very much appreciative you're someone who always has kind words about the podcast and, and I definitely appreciate that um, I want to take this opportunity oh
0: man I love it it's great
2: for a new podcast, like you have no idea how important that is to kind of have people to know people are listening and have kind words. So that I could never be appreciated and appreciate, appreciative enough for that. Um, but with us, I want to give your opportunity to promote whatever you want to promote. How can people find you?
0: Uh, Kevin J Aldridge on Twitter and uh kevinaldridge.com it's my website that i don't really use a lot but you can buy stuff on there uh, you can buy my music uh, kevin Al- under kevin aldridge or kevin aldridge and the appra- kevin aldridge and the appraisers you can buy my old records chatterton uh, the cold open on uh, apple music all those uh, you know all the all the platforms so um, and i've got some more stuff coming out uh, the tw- the two-ster record is t w o s t e r uh came out right when the pandemic started, so I didn't feel really comfortable promoting a five-song EP that's silly while people are dying. So, and not that people aren't dying now, but it you know we're doing this now, so might as well. Yeah, put it and I there. think
2: uh, that's something that I think people can really use now. I think it, it's really easy right now to get into a dark place, um, but we do kind of need to. Maintain our mental health, so I think something like that could be very helpful in a time like this. And uh, again, I can't appreciate enough you jumping on um, for everyone listening. If this is your first episode, we do this every Tuesday. Um, these conversations like this, um, you can get uh, in touch with the podcast by going to Twitter at W D Y L Podcast or Instagram at What Do You Like Podcast, or you can reach our website at WhatDoYouLikePodcast.com um, dot We appreciate any feedback uh feel free to give us a five-star review if you're so inclined uh tell a friend that's the best way we kind of share this these conversations and again kevin i can't thank you enough for jumping on it's been a wonderful conversation good to get to know you have this first kind of conversation with you uh yeah won't Pleasure be last you, i'm you. sure um and with everyone listening thank you again for listening and we'll see you next time